Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Arsenal Audio Majority Program. Arsenal versus Manchester City, Wednesday, 15th of February 2023. Kickoff, 7:30 p.m. The contents: Captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Giorgino, my favourite shirt. Foundation Voice Poster Zini Minute Detail Community Voice Academy Young Gun Noah Cooper Around the Academy Women Visitors Manchester City Manch Action Arsenal vs Brentford and Teams Martin Odegaard Captain's Notes You want to play against the best teams, and to do it here at the Emirates, on a night game under the lights, will make it even more special. There will be an amazing atmosphere inside the stadium. It should be a brilliant contest, so we're all looking forward to it, and I can't wait to get out there to be honest. It feels like we've been building up to this one for a long time. We haven't faced them in the league yet, and we know it's an important game, but at the same time we have to approach it like we have done all season. It's still only three points that are available, so let's have the same mindset, the same focus that we always have going into a game, and concentrate on what we want to do. We have to go out there and be ourselves, do what we always do, and realise the game is as important as all of the games in this league. That's the way we need to look at it. We played against them in the Cup recently, of course, and we showed in that game that we can cause them problems, and do well against them. I've watched City quite a lot this season, and it looks like they've maybe changed their playing style a bit this year compared to previously. Maybe it's a bit different to when we played them last season, and they have different threats now that we need to be ready for. It's a strong team all round. Everyone has a lot of quality, and most of them have been there for a long time, so they're used to playing together. One of their new players this season is my Norway teammate, Erling Haaland. We get on well off the pitch, and to be honest, we've been in touch as usual this week. We don't speak much about the games anyway, so nothing much has changed. We are in contact a lot, and this week has just been normal really for us. No more, no less. As I said, we just need to focus on ourselves and think about our own game and get back to winning ways. Saturday was a really frustrating day for us, given everything that happened and the result. 
It was a tough game for us. Brentford defend well. They played five at the back and with three midfielders who helped them out, so they always had a lot of players at the back behind the ball. They're a team that always looks to slow down the game and take a lot of time on set pieces and things like that, so they made it hard for us. It was a challenging game all round, but in the end we got the goal. I think that was the most difficult part, to find the breakthrough whenever you face a team like this. For me, that was the big frustration. We took the lead after working hard, but then conceded pretty quickly afterwards. That was very annoying from our side, especially the way the goal happened. The decision for the free kick, the set piece, and then afterwards we see it should have been disallowed for offside anyway. It was just frustrating in the end. The truth is though, there is nothing we can do about that decision now. It's gone and we can't change it. It was a mistake from the officials and that's the way it is. We were upset of course, but we have to look forward now. There's no point using any energy or time on something we can't change. We just have to look forward to the next game now. Also, I think we played a lot better on Saturday than we did against Everton though, in the previous match. So there are positives for us, and we have to move on. Another positive was Leo's goal. It was great to see him come off the bench and score so soon. He's been excellent since he arrived here. In all the games he's played, he's done well, and has been training well, so I'm really happy for him to get his first goal. It's just a shame it couldn't be the winner for us on the day. But he'll take even more confidence from it, and I'm sure there will be plenty more to come now. Finally, I want to say again how important you, our supporters, can be for us tonight. If you can be there for us, like you have every game this season, it will be huge for us. It means so much to the team, and you give us so much extra when you are really into it and behind us. When the atmosphere is on fire inside here, it gives us a lot of energy and helps us a lot in the game. So if you can be as loud as possible, support us like you always do, then it will be brilliant for us, and together we can get the result we want. Around Arsenal Leandro is number 529. Congratulations to Leandro Trossard, who got off the mark for the Gunners in his fourth game for the club on Saturday. The substitute scored just four minutes after coming onto the pitch in the 62nd minute and with two of his other appearances coming off the bench, the Belgian actually scored after just 109 minutes on the pitch for Mikel Arteta's team. I saw B on the ball and knew I had to make it at the back post, said Leandro after the match. It was a perfect cross and luckily I scored it. It was perfect for us to get the lead and a perfect moment, I think. It's nice to score, but it's nicer if you can get the win, of course. The goal made Leandro our all-time 529th different goal scorer out of the 896 players to have appeared for us. Supporting Turkey and Syria's earthquake appeal Following the devastating earthquake in Turkey and Syria, we wanted to let the Arsenal family know how we are standing in solidarity with those affected by the disaster and how we can all show support. The 7.8 magnitude earthquake, one of the strongest to hit the region in 100 years, could be felt in surrounding nations in Lebanon, Cyprus, Jordan and Iraq and has left major devastation and a horrific and increasing death toll in the thousands. The current situation is desperate. Substantial damage to roads, airports and communications lines, as well as continued aftershocks, are adding an extra layer of complexity to the relief efforts. 
In response, we are working with our global charity partner, Save the Children, to explore how we can show our support. Through the Arsenal Foundation, we have granted a donation to Save the Children's Appeal to further support children, families and local communities devastated by this tragic humanitarian disaster. Supporters can also donate what they can through the official DEC appeal, which includes Save the Children, here. On the hard copy of this page there is a QR code. Save the Children have been working in the region for many years with well-established relationships with local organisations such as the Turkish Red Crescent and support to life in Turkey and Shafak in Syria. STC are already providing aid by supplying temporary shelter for staff and their families, distributing shelter kits to families whose houses have been significantly damaged by the earthquake and are now unsafe, providing items such as tarpaulin, rope, blankets and mats, offering winter kits, including essentials such as heaters, clothes and shoes to keep people warm as temperatures plummet, setting up safe spaces for women and children and other vulnerable people, offering psychological first aid to affected children and families, including frontline responders. In addition to our donation to Save the Children, we're also exploring how we can work together with our long-standing partner, HIS Church, a charity we previously worked with to deliver more than 500,000 meals during the COVID-19 lockdown to support the disaster response by the Turkish community in North London. We'll share more information on this in the coming days. Thank you for your support. Ref Watch Anthony Taylor is this evening's referee. The 44-year-old from Cheshire is officiating his fifth Arsenal match this season tonight. He was in charge of our opening day win at Crystal Palace, the North London derby at Emirates, our recent win at Brighton and the memorable 3-2 victory over Manchester United last month. Let's hope it's five wins out of five tonight. A Premier League official since season 2009-10, he has officiated 15 PL games this season, issuing 55 yellow cards and two reds. Conti Cup final tickets. After our extra-time win over Manchester City at Meadow Park last weekend, Arsenal women face Chelsea in the final of the Continental Cup final. The game will be hosted in the capital at Selhurst Park, and Jonas Eideval and his team would love as much support as possible to cheer us on to our first silverware since 2019. Tickets are available from Crystal Palace's website, here. At this point there is a QR code on the page. Dover are back. Before Christmas, Dover Gooners, Arsenal Dover, hosted their first annual Legends dinner since before Covid. Over 260 members, friends and guests attended, with Arsenal supporters arriving from all over England, Ireland, Norway, Austria and Italy. What began as a small gathering in the upstairs room of a local pub at Christmas 2003 has grown to be a huge annual event. The Supporters Club raises money for Bob Wilson's Willow Foundation as the most important aspect of the night with a great raffle of Arsenal memorabilia and other prizes. This year, Dover Gooners were proud to present a cheque to Willow for £4,000. This year, we were joined by Arsenal legends Eddie Kelly, Life Vice President of our Supporters Club, Peter Marinello, Brian Talbot, Liam Brady and Kenny Sampson. 
Liam was our speaker for the night, and he regaled the enthralled attendees with great stories from his time at Arsenal and how he thinks Mikel Arteta is moulding a squad that can really challenge and maybe even win the Premier League this season. The legends all entertained those at the tables they hosted on the evening, signing every autograph and posing for every photo before, during and after dinner. The dinner itself has now become a whole weekend event, and a truly memorable few days was had by all. The DGs look forward to November 2023 when they'll do it all again. FA Youth Cup quarter-final at Emirates Following an epic comeback against Watford last week, Coming from 2-0 down to win 4-2, Jack Wilshire's team play Cambridge United under-18s on Thursday, February 23rd at Emirates Stadium, kick-off 7pm. The U's are not to be underestimated, having beaten one of the favourites for the trophy, Chelsea, in their run to the last eight, and the young Gunners would love as many supporters as possible to cheer them on next Thursday. Ticket arrangements will be available on arsenal.com imminently. Find report from the Watford win elsewhere in the programme. Please note, the original date for this fixture, referenced elsewhere in this programme, was Wednesday, February 22nd. This had to be changed due to the London Ambulance Service strike. NMR shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And at this evening's game, Aidan and Morgan will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red Shirts. Aidan is a student on the Arsenal NCFE College programme. Throughout the past two academic years, Aidan has maintained an outstanding attendance and punctuality actively participating in school activities and showing leadership qualities by volunteering for community programmes. His dedication to the predicted grade of triple, highest grade possible, and unwavering commitment to succeed serves as a source of inspiration to peers and teachers alike. This young student's spirit and determination in the face of adversity is a testament to his character and determination. Aidan would like to send a special thank you to St. Joseph's Hospice for the care of his mother. Morgan is a local young person who works as a mentor with the Copenhagen Youth Project with the after-school provision at Islington-based play scheme Barnard Park. The project provides social education to children in school years 5-6, using creative writing and poetry as the vehicle to learn about community, identity, relationships people and world affairs. As a teenager, Morgan is well placed to connect with the participants and build good relationships, then encourage and motivate the children to engage and learn. Young role models like Morgan are extremely important for the next generation to look up to. Bukeo Blacklisted Bukeo Saka has been included in this year's Football Blacklist, an initiative shining a light on the most influential black people in British football. Our attacker is one of five players selected for their efforts in promoting inclusion off the pitch, alongside England teammates Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling, Andre Gray of Aris and Jamaica, and Charlotte Lynch, who plays for Leighton Orient Women. 
Meanwhile, ex-gunner Leanne Sanderson has also been recognised for her work in the LGBTQ plus category. Recognising work by black individuals and allies in challenging homophobia in society through football. The Football Blacklist was founded in 2008 by journalists Leon Mann and Rodney Hines and highlights leaders working across all areas of the game from the black community. A panel of experts drawn from the football industry and the black community independently vote on nominations made by the public to determine who makes the list. Kevin Connolly Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere condolences to the family and friends of former programme editor Kevin Connolly, who passed away last month. Kevin became programme editor at the start of the 1983-84 season and revolutionised the publication, creating a magazine feel which included a greater focus on player interviews, academy information and engaging news and features. His work on the programme resulted in the club winning the Programme of the Year accolade on a number of occasions and he was admired and respected throughout the game for his work on what, at the time, was the key communication tool for the club. Kevin, who had previously worked for the Highbury and Islington Gazette, stepped down as editor early in the 1998-99 season with the programme still a hugely popular and informative matchday staple. The nature of matchday programmes being extremely collectible means that many supporters will continue to enjoy Kevin's work for many decades to come, and his programmes form an important part of the club's history during an era when, under George Graham and Arsene Wenger, modern successful Arsenal was born. Thank you, Kevin. Meet the mascots. Tonight's Gunners mascot is 11-year-old Travorn from London, and the mascot representing Manchester City is 10-year-old Annabelle, also from London. We hope you both have a fantastic time meeting your heroes and leading them out on the pitch tonight. Notice Board, Totalizer, £530. Hi Edu, hope you enjoy your first Arsenal game. Plenty more to come in the future. Happy 18th birthday, Aussie. Best wishes to lifelong Arsenal fan Henry Woodward, recovering in hospital and missing tonight's game. Happy birthday, Andre Thompson. Hope you have an incredible day. From Mum, Elia, Amari and Eisen. Welcome to our newest Guna, Ada Rain, born January 25th, 2023. Love Uncle Lloyd and Auntie Freya. Happy ninth birthday, Henry Mills. Have the best day today and enjoy the game. Love Mummy, Dad and Ava. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 18th, Harvey McLaughlin. Love Mum, Dad, Alex and Mikey. Let's hope it's a birthday win today. Happy birthday, Rama. I hope you have a lovely day. Luang Sir. May your life's journey be blessed and accurate with divine health that leads to happiness forever. Love, Kalok and Tony. Congratulations to Megan and Tom Wackett on the birth of their twins, Bethany and Jessica. Love Mum, Dad and Jody. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 90th birthday, Sheila Hamilton. Sheila attends all home games, and so we hope she has a wonderful day culminating with a win this evening. Happy birthday, Sophie. Have an amazing time. Enjoy the match. Love Mum, Greg, Jack and James. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 7th birthday, Stanley. Have a lovely day. 
Love mommy, daddy and all your family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 19th birthday, Lucia Scamiotis. Love mama and baba. Welcome Owen Russell from Victoria, BC, Canada. Enjoy your trip and thanks for supporting Arsenal. Arsenal remembers Douglas Fennell, 1943-2023 Beloved husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather and lifelong gooner. Forever missed and never forgotten. Adrian Heffernan of Bedfordshire died peacefully on January 10th, 2023 at the age of 64. A husband, dad, brother, friend and lifelong gooner. Ron Needham, August 15th, 1939 to January 12th, 2023. Lifelong fan from the Isle of Man and an inspiration for further generations of the family to follow the Arsenal. R.I.P. Jimmy Parker, 1937 to 2022. Son, dad, husband, brother, granddad, great-granddad. Once a gooner, always a gooner. Love always. Rest easy. John Bland, a lifelong fan and season ticket holder for over 70 years, who passed away unexpectedly aged 77. John is survived by his wife of 51 years, Joyce, sons Jonathan and Andrew, and granddaughter Jessica, also an avid Arsenal fan. Love you, Dad. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Tony LaForce, a supporter from age 12. Unbeknown to his parents, he sneaked to Highbury to see them. What Tony didn't know about football isn't worth knowing. Friends and family will miss his kindness and enthusiasm for life and Arsenal. Arlo Tuthill Sadly passed away aged three months. Arlo watched Arsenal with his dad, Kieran, who hopes the season goes well and he and Arlo will be behind the Gunners wherever they are. Jack Burns You, along with Georgie and Jed, were our world. You were the best son, husband, father, brother, uncle, cousin, nephew and friend. Your spirit will be at every Arsenal game, over land and sea. Sleep soundly, Jack, Dad and Mummy. Congratulations, gay gooners. Despite the frustrating result, Saturday was a fabulous afternoon for the gay gooners as they celebrated their 10th anniversary. Prior to the match, the supporters group enjoyed a fiercely fought five-a-side tournament at the Arsenal Hub before taking part in the LGBTQ Plus History Month celebrations at Emirates, which continued to mark the importance the LGBTQ Plus community has on football and beyond. Gay Gooners exist to unite LGBTQ Plus Arsenal supporters and allies around the world. The group has grown from being the first LGBTQ plus supporters club in British football to being the largest of its kind in the world today. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Bournemouth, Premier League, Saturday, March 4th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, March the 4th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Crystal Palace, Premier League. Sunday, March 19th, kick-off 2pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members. Arsenal vs Leeds United, Premier League, Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 2pm. Tickets went on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members today. Away tickets. 
Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Premier League, Villa Park, Saturday, February 18th, kick-off 12.30pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 20-plus away points. Leicester City vs Arsenal Premier League, King Power Stadium, Saturday, February 25th, kick-off 3pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 10-plus away points. Fulham vs Arsenal Premier League, Craven Cottage, Sunday, March 12th, kick-off 2pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum Gold and Travel Club members with 40-plus away points. Sustainability Working on our shape. Our trees in the Arsenal Forest are now mature enough, over 10 feet tall, to be pruned. Pruning improves the final shape of the timber for when they are cut down on reaching maturity age 20 plus years. It may sound counterintuitive to cut the trees down, but it's actually the most efficient process. Absorbed carbon is safe for over two decades and then the timber will be used in construction. So you get a further long-term lockup of the carbon in the buildings. It's one of the reasons the fast-growing neem is so special. Neem also has antiseptic properties, which means the termites don't want to eat it. A major plus in the tropics in terms of retaining the carbon in the timber for longer. As those little guys don't mess around. It's also important that timber is a more valuable crop than creating charcoal, which is very damaging for the environment. The trees will be harvested in stages as they reach maturity and as the spaces open up in the plantation, other trees can be planted in between, drawing down more carbon. One plot can be used continuously in this way to sequester carbon on an ongoing basis. Lastly, note, it's the men who prune in the forest simply because they are taller. Learn to dream Local supporters will have noticed there is a new artwork in our local community taking pride of place opposite Emirates Stadium on Hornsey Road. This is an initiative developed by Lavassa and Arsenal. In collaboration with London Metropolitan University, a two-wall mural created to inspire young people in the community to learn to dream big and turn their dreams into reality. The project is testament to the ongoing firm commitment of Lavassa and Arsenal to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, with a focus on goal number eight, decent work and economic growth, which seeks to promote inclusive and sustainable economic growth and employment opportunities for all. And goal number five, gender equality, aiming to empower all women and girls worldwide. Through the power of art, the 1,800-square-feet mural, painted by artist Gabrielle Pitcher, seeks to leave a permanent mark in the community and to foster a forward-thinking environment. The artwork showcases two young people whose stories are tied to North London. Maria Epam, an international art and design student at the London Metropolitan University, and Lee McEwen, born and raised in Islington, a former participant of Lavassa and Arsenal's A Cup of Learning programme. The Learn to Dream mural is the first artistic expression of Lavassa's community-focused initiatives in North London, developed in partnership with Arsenal and London Met, 
aiming to deliver meaningful change to the young people in the area. Net Zero Heroes Every issue this season we have highlighted how different members of the Arsenal women's squad have been making efforts to live more sustainably. We'll let you into a secret. We have a special roving reporter up at London Colney who has been gathering together all this information from her teammates and she goes by the name of Jen Beatty. Sustainability is a passion for Jen and she appeared on Sky Sports Inside the Women's Super League programme on Thursday, February 2nd, ahead of Green Football Weekend, when she spoke to Flo Lloyd-Hughes to talk about her relationship with the environment, including her decision to go vegan and how it's benefited her football. Try and find the programme to catch up if you can. Jen's setting a great example to footballers and fans alike. Well-schooled. Shuranjit Singh is a Birmingham-based Arsenal fan who has been inspiring the next generation to think more sustainably. I've been working with a local school, St Michael's Primary in Handsworth, in Birmingham, to change their disused playground into an allotment, says Shuranjit. We have been growing food for the children and their families, many of whom are struggling at the moment due to the cost-of-living crisis. What a fantastic project, Shuranjit. It's amazing how we can find places for our sustainability projects if we use a bit of imagination. And brilliant that the scheme helps people in their time of need too. We've planted 25 trees in our Arsenal forest for the school. Hopefully the children will love reading about the project and watching their little bit of Arsenal grow. Are you an Arsenal fan involved in any kind of sustainable project? We want to hear from you and give you 25 trees too. Email us at programme at arsenal.co.uk Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. And also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player feature. Inspirational Jorginho. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our new midfielder, Jorginho, tells us about his upbringing in Brazil and Italy and how his past success has made him even hungrier for more. They might be separated by more than 6,000 miles, but the link between Jorginho and his mother is as strong as ever. Throughout his life, Jorginho says his mum has been his main inspiration guiding light, role model, mentor, critic and even coach. The 31-year-old midfielder, who signed for us on transfer deadline day at the end of last month, has had an eventful journey in football so far. 
He started out as a youth player in his native Brazil, before moving to Italy as a teenager, and then becoming a full international for his adopted country, then moving to London to spend nearly four and a half years at Chelsea, before making the move to North London this winter. And Jorginho's mother has played a huge part in it all. As he starts the newest chapter of his story, he says the values his mum instilled in him as a youngster still play a huge part in his character today. My mum is my big inspiration, he says without hesitation. She did everything to ensure that I would become the best I could be. She always tried to do the best she could to educate me and my sister, teaching us to be really good people in the future and not just look out for yourself. She did from an early age, from as early as I can remember, he adds. She has a background in football too. She still plays. In fact, she plays three times a week. She absolutely loves football and we always talk about it. She is always on the phone to me, talking about the game, commenting on the games, talking about everything I've done. Whenever we speak, she tells me about what she thought of my performances. In fact, she normally tells me off when she thinks of something that I didn't do very well. I don't get many compliments from her, to be honest. She is a tough coach for me. She lives in Brazil and we are still very, very close. We are in contact all the time and she visits whenever she can to see me and the kids. She's really looking forward to coming to watch me at the Emirates. She can't wait, actually. I don't know what game it will be yet, but it will be very soon, for sure. In fact, as Jorginho explains, if it wasn't for his parents' support at a critical time in his development, he might never have made it as a professional footballer at all. Born in the coastal town of Imbituba in southern Brazil in December 1991, his first memories of playing football are kickabouts with his mother on the beach. But perhaps kickabout is not an accurate description. Even as a child, his mum would look to develop his skills and run him through training drills. Yeah, really early in my life, when I was a very young age, she would take me to the beach and she'd take me to do some technical work, he reveals. We worked on ball control and things like that. She would always talk about looking for the next player, look at positioning on the pitch, be aware of who to pass to, this kind of stuff. It wasn't long before the young Jorginho was attracting the attention of his local teams and he soon found himself being coached at club level too. This led to interest from further afield and soon he made his first move in the sport. The first time I moved away from home, when I was 13, he recalls, I moved to another city in Brazil and that was very hard because the situation in the place I was living, well, you can say it wasn't easy. So, at some point, my mum even said to me, look, it's time to go back home. We don't have much money, but you don't have to live in these conditions. I was 14 by now and I said to her, no, this is my opportunity. I want to follow my dream and I can feel the opportunity is coming for me to go to Europe soon to try there. But she repeated again, you need to go home. We can try something else in Brazil, but you're not staying here in these conditions. I said to her that I'm staying to see it out. I told her that I'm staying and said that if she made me go home and then I don't make it as a footballer, then I might blame her for the rest of my life. She was crying and she said, please don't do this to me because I just want the best for you. But I was fine. I said I was fine there, even in those conditions and I'm not leaving. 
So in that moment, it was really, really hard for her. Anyway, I soon moved to Europe, and then when I was 17, and I was in Italy, I wanted to give up because of the situation I was in at my club. Now it was her turn to save me. She didn't let me give up. Her and my dad told me I was so close to becoming a professional footballer. They said that now it's time to stay strong for a few more months, and then you're going to sign your first professional contract. They were tough on me in that moment, so I'm always grateful for that because they were right. She knew it was my dream. She was happy when I went to Europe, even though it was far away from home. She was very happy for me, because I was not just following my own dream, but her dream as well. The sacrifices, tough times and tears soon began to pay off. After four seasons with Verona, the last of them in Serie A, he earned a big move to Napoli. He was part of their Coppa Italia winning side in 2014 and then became a full international for Italy after emerging as one of the country's standout deep-lying midfielders. In 2018, he arrived in London at Chelsea alongside his boss at Napoli, Maurizio Sarri. He won the Europa League at the end of his first season, but he says it's the Champions League success of 2021 that made him and his parents most proud. It was definitely when I won that final because my family were at the stadium, he recalls. I could enjoy their joy, and that makes me so happy. That's one of the biggest reasons why I give all of myself to what I do, to see how happy it makes them too. The whole family are invested in his success because they are so closely linked to his career and the big decisions he has made along the way, whether that be which national team he would represent or what club he signs for. I speak with them about everything. I ask them what they think when there's a new opportunity maybe. I always listen to them and their advice. In the end, I take my decision, but I like to hear what they have to say. When I told them about the move to Arsenal, they were really excited. Arsenal is a big, big club, and the moment the club is living now is a really good moment. It's a good opportunity for me to have a new challenge at this age. They said they were very excited for me, and I'm very excited personally too. I like the way the team is playing the work that is being done, and what we are doing here is very exciting. I've looked for a long time, to be honest, and thought what they were doing here is just amazing. Now I'm a part of it, so it's what we are building, and what we are beginning now. I'm really happy being part of it, because we have got young players, hungry players, a really good coach with amazing mentality, teaching his football to young players. So I think the future at this club is going to be very good, and we can aim very high. This coming from a player who's won domestic, European, and of course international honours. Just a few weeks after that Champions League success, he was a key part of the Italy side that beat England in the Euro 2020 final at Wembley. He was included in the official team of the tournament, and was named UEFA Men's Player of the Year for 2020-21. At the end of 21, he finished third in the Ballon d'Or voting, behind Lionel Messi and Robert Lewandowski. So how does a player who has reached so high in the game maintain his motivation for fresh challenges? I think about the feeling when you win, he grins, and I think about when I have won before because that feeling is just amazing. When you see your family proud of you, 
Their adrenaline, the passion you have for what you do, is what you dream of. It's what I dreamed of when I was a child. So I think of those things to keep working hard, to keep improving myself every day, to try to achieve more. To be fair, I don't get tired of winning. I know what it takes to win and I want to do it more. This burning ambition and fierce determination was clearly built into Jorginho from a young age. But for someone who is at home right in the epicentre of the midfield engine room, our new number 20 always looks so calm and unflustered in possession. So just how does he manage to keep a cool and relaxed exterior when he's in the heated environment of Premier League battle? How do I really feel inside me while I'm on the pitch? It's how you see me, to be honest, he smiles. That's how I am. The adrenaline is high because that's normal, but I try to focus on what I can control. It makes it easier. I always like to feel the atmosphere and vibe of the stadium on the pitch, but also I like to think about where I came from, where I started. I remember that I need to play each game like I did when I was playing in my home city when I was a child, so that helps me to relax on the pitch. And now Jorginho is a father himself. My youngest is absolutely football mad. Does he follow the blueprint from his mother? Yes, that's exactly what I try to do. I try to educate them to always be kind and humble. If they want something, they need to work hard for it. They need to be humble because nobody is better than anyone else. Also, I tell them if you lose, it doesn't matter how you go down, it's how you get up again. There's a game we always play at home with them. I say to my kids, when you lose, what do you do? And they always reply, you try again. It's a life lesson that has stood Jorginho himself in good stead so far. And you sense there's plenty of ambition burning bright inside him to continue making his family proud. My fave shirt. Fans tell us about an Arsenal shirt they hold in particular affection. Our collector tonight is Bryce McCulloch, age 34 and from Clonakilty in West Cork, Ireland, but now much closer to his beloved Emirates. I have been supporting Arsenal for as long as I remember, but it's gone up several levels since moving to London to live and work back in 2015. My all-time favourite shirt is the 2001-2002 away shirt, affectionately known among fans as the Gold Sega. I've been lucky enough to get my hands on a Tony Adams player issue version of this shirt in long sleeve, which I absolutely love. For me, the shirt lives up to its nickname. It's the gold standard of all Arsenal shirts. The colour just oozes quality, distinction and brilliance, quite like the team that wore it. It's seldom you see a football team use a colour as bold and eye-catching as gold. The Sega logo resonated with me as an avid gamer, and the old-style crest, it had it all for me. Then there were the players who wore it. Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry, Sol Campbell, Robert Pires, Laurent, Dennis Bergkamp, Sylvain Wilford. Paddy Vieira was my absolute favourite. He encapsulated everything I loved about the team, but particularly the strength, heart, desire and passion. He was just brilliant. I associate this shirt with loads of games, 
but the most memorable would have to be Manchester United away on Wednesday, May the 8th, the night we sealed the league with Wiltford bagging the winner. The shirt will forever be etched in my memory and have a special place in my heart for that very reason. I was making a foray into my teens back then, so I ate, slept and drank football. It occupied almost every waking moment of my days. We didn't have the same technology available to us back then, so I had to get my daily team news and updates from teletext, newspapers and, if I was lucky, a neighbour who had a Sky Sports subscription. To my partner Caitlin's dismay, I have quite a few variations of the shirt. Short sleeve, long sleeve, the Tony Adams version, some with player names, Vieira and Ori, and Premier League badges, and some not. I started seriously collecting Arsenal football shirts during the pandemic and happened upon the Arsenal Shirt Collectors Group on Facebook, through which I have managed to source a number of shirts, including the long-sleeve version I am wearing in the photo. It's a fantastic community which is brilliantly run and a genuinely incredible resource. The Tony Adams shirt is wrapped up in cotton wool and stored away, only getting to see daylight on special occasions. I have a few shirts from my collection in my wardrobe that I rotate on match days, so a gold Sago will get a few trips to the Emirates every season, and always when United come to town. The photo with this article has the caption, This hat trick is just the start of Bryce's collection of 2001 to 2002 away shirts. If you share an interest in collecting Arsenal kit, then you'll be pleased to know that there is an Arsenal shirt collectors group of over 2,500 members worldwide who buy, sell and swap Arsenal kit from all seasons. You can find them on Twitter at shirt underscore Arsenal or Facebook https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash groups slash 9862024261 Did you know, Arsenal didn't lose a game in the gold shirt, which is another reason to look back on the kit fondly. The shirt debuted in a 4-0 win on the opening day of the 2001-2 season at Middlesbrough. Thierry Henry nested in the first half, but the last three goals, Robert Pires and two for Dennis Bergkamp, were all scored between the 87th and 90th minutes, during which time Ugo A. Hilgu was also sent off. Arsenal clinched. Order the 2022-23 kit here. There is a QR code in the print version of the programme. The photo of Dennis Bergkamp has the caption, Dennis Bergkamp celebrates making it 4-0 to Arsenal on the opening day of the 2001-2 season. A perfect start for an iconic shirt. Foundation Voice The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund workshops by Let Me Know, an education charity that works with young people to prevent domestic violence, relationship abuse and sexual assault and to empower and educate them to thrive in safe and happy relationships. ACOS 17 from Islington tells us about the workshop he attended. I'm at sixth form at the moment, doing A-levels in history, politics and biology. 
so that takes up a lot of my time. I'm aiming to go to university in September and I'd like to be a lawyer. I've been involved with Drayton Football Club since I was in year nine. It has been a long-term commitment for me. It was my coach there, Reese, who told me about Let Me Know and their workshop as he delivers sessions there himself. One of my friends had been and said it was beneficial, so I decided to go along for myself because I thought I could learn something useful. It felt like there were quite a lot of people there the first time I went, probably about 12 of us, all male. It was actually easier than I expected to talk about relationships because we were all around the same sort of age and could relate to each other. We also watched some short films about unhealthy relationship behaviours, which were the starting point for our discussion. We learned about consent, setting boundaries and pornography. We learned a lot about unhealthy relationship behaviours, particularly when people don't communicate and don't feel comfortable talking to each other, and we talked about how to open up and communicate better. We also learned about volatility, when people feel anxious or unsafe in a relationship, and how important it is to be predictable and consistent in our behaviour. And we talked about online dangers, and how damaging sexting and sending explicit photos can be. Once those pictures are out there, they're out there forever. Reese was great. He really engaged with us and made sure everyone had a voice. No one was cut off when they were talking, and we all had the opportunity to express our opinions. I think the workshop really helped me gain a great understanding of relationships, and it's really important for young men. You will learn these things yourself, sometimes the hard way, but it's much better to educate people when they are younger so they don't make mistakes and don't hurt anyone. Also, young people can be exploited when they get in with the wrong crowd and don't know how to communicate and giving them these skills can give them the mental strength to avoid mixing with the wrong people. Communication skills help in football too, especially when it comes to dealing with your manager. I think it's great that Arsenal helps to fund a charity like this because it gives younger people a great understanding of the world around them. For more info, visit imkletmeknow.org. Course leader Reese who himself came through the Arsenal in the Community Positive Futures program and appeared on this page back in 2015, teaches youngsters about unhealthy relationships and abuse. Alexander Zinchenko, Defender Born Radomishi, Ukraine, December 15, 1996 Joined from Manchester City on July 22, 2022. Previous clubs, UFA, Manchester City, PSV Eindhoven, Lone. Ukraine caps, 52, with 8 goals. Childhood Arsenal supporter Alexander joined from Manchester City in July, reuniting with Mikel Arteta, who had previously coached him at his former club. The Ukraine international amassed quite the CV during his time in Manchester, winning four Premier League titles, also lifting the League Cup on four occasions, and the FA Cup once. He has made 128 appearances for the club in total, including the duration of the 2021 Champions League final. The 26-year-old has already excelled with the Gunners, 
predominantly playing at left-back but proving a superb creative influence all over the pitch and an extremely positive influence in the dressing room. Alex, as he is known by teammates, became Ukraine's all-time youngest goalscorer when he netted against Romania in May 2016, aged 19. He was named Ukraine Footballer of the Year in 2019 and went on to become his country's youngest captain, taking the armband aged 24 against France in March 2021. He has represented Ukraine at two European Championships and was vital in helping his country reach the quarter-final stage at Euro 2020, scoring one and assisting the other in a 2-1 last-16 win over Sweden at Hampden Park. He started his professional career at Russian side Ufa, where he lined up alongside former gunner Emmanuel Frimpong. Mikhail on Alex Alex brings us a great human quality. Who he is as a person, what he stands for and his passion for the game. He is a high-quality player who gives us options and versatility. It's not only about the positions he can play, but as well the versatility he gives us in attack and defence. Premier League Stats Appearances 88 Goals 0 Assists 8 Successful Passes 5,583 Passing Accuracy 91% Shots on Target 16 Chances Created 78 Recoveries 425 Interceptions 89 Dribbles Completed 28 Jules won 332, 54.1%. Aerial Battles won 128, 57.1%. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Tonight, we're looking at four more, including a not one, but two Thierry Henry masterpieces. Christopher Ray, Bolton Wanderers nil, Arsenal 1, March the 31st, 1998. AFC PL goals in the 47th minute, 20. A massive goal in the title race, and this time... It was one of the supporting cast who came up clutch. Heading up to the Reebok Stadium on a Tuesday night, the Gunners were still six points off the pace in the title race, but this was one of three games in hand over Manchester United. The squad was depleted though, with Dennis Bergkamp suspended and Ian Wright injured. However, cometh the hour, or rather cometh the 47th minute, cometh the man and it was Liberian striker Christopher Ray who answered his manager's call to settle this game with an absolute screamer, firing right-footed in off the bar from 20 yards, and following up with a backflip celebration. The goal was a real bolt from the blue, and only his second for the club. His first had also been the only goal in a 1-0 win over Wimbledon, while just five days after this beauty, he scored the winner in our FA Cup semi-final against Wolves. Thierry Henry, Arsenal 4, Charlton Athletic, 0, October 2nd, 2004. AFC PL goals in the 48th minute, 25. Another work of art from Thierry Henry, who was at the peak of his powers. He received the ball, back to goal, on the corner of the six-yard box from Jose Antonio Reyes. John Fortune was tightly marking the striker. In fact, 
He was pulling his shirt and not allowing him to turn. Thierry didn't need to. Instead, he controlled the ball, then, in the blink of an eye, impudently backheeled his shot through Fortune's legs and passed Dan Keeley into the bottom far corner. It was outrageous in the extreme, a piece of rarely seen improvisation that had the North Bank once again lauding the main man. It's another one to put in the portfolio of astonishing Thierry Henry goals, was how commentator Martin Tyler described it. Robin van Persie, Charlton 1, Arsenal 2, September 30th, 2006, AFC PL goals in the 49th minute, 30. When Emmanuel Ebue pulls his cross back from the right wing, Robin van Persie is still a good seven or eight yards outside the Charlton area. A matter of seconds later, the ball is in the back of the net and the fans inside the valley have just witnessed one of the all-time great Premier League volleys. While Ebue's high cross was airborne, the Dutchman arrived at pace to meet it, springing up to get his left boot to the ball and fire it home beyond Scott Carson into the roof of the net from 20 yards. It was an incredible display of skill and ingenuity, executed perfectly. An absolute wonder strike. What's more, this was the winning goal after Van Persie himself had equalised Darren Bent's opener for Charlton. It was the goal of a lifetime, Arsene Wenger said afterwards. I feel the cross from Emmanuel Eboe was fantastic. Robin took the ball at full pace and full power, and his technique and his movement were perfect. It looked like it would go over the bar, so when it came down and into the corner, it was unbelievable. Thierry Henry, Arsenal 4, Liverpool 2, April the 9th, 2004 AFC PL goals in the 50th minute, 23. A goal that is seen by many as the real turning point in the invincible season. Over the preceding six days, Arsenal had crashed out of both the FA Cup and Champions League, the latter in particularly heartbreaking fashion at Highbury, to end any hopes of a treble. And now, early in the second half of our 32nd league game of the season on Good Friday, Liverpool had twice led and were threatening to ruin our chances in the Premier League too. Thierry Henry had other ideas. The team's talisman, leading scorer and arguably best player in the world at that time, decided to take matters into his own hands. And how? Picking up possession in midfield just inside the Liverpool half, the visitors had a good shape, with ten men back, happy to defend their position at 2-2, having just conceded via Robert Pires. You sense they could have had twice as many men on the pitch and it would have made little difference. Henri headed straight for goal, wriggling past Dietmar Harman and putting him on his backside before breaking into the area. There he fainted past Jamie Carragher, sending him to the turf as well, before opening up his body for a trademark right-foot finish low into the corner beyond Jersey Dulac. Highbury exploded. The title was back on. The unbeaten season was back on. And Thierry Henry, who would later complete a hat-trick, had shown once again that he was untouchable in English football. Nothing makes sense, Henry said recently. When you look at it, why am I there with Gilberto Silva? Why am I there? I don't even know. All I know is that when I had the ball, I saw the goal. 
That stadium had a heart and it wasn't beating. Michael Owen scored before half-time. The heart wasn't going. I can relive the heart of that stadium through that goal. When I felt it going again, it went back beating again. When I watch my goals, I never really get goosebumps. But with that one, even watching it now, I do get goosebumps. Community Voice Project PL Kicks Woodbury Down Established 2019 Participants since starting Over 300 weekly participants 40 to 50 sessions every Wednesday and Friday Available to local boys and girls aged 13 to 18 For more information, email Ashley King at aking at arsenal.co.uk Aaron is 14 years old and from Hackney. He has been a keen participant on the Premier League Kicks project for the past three years. I first saw the sessions near where I live and inquired about taking part. I already knew about some of the sessions being delivered by Arsenal in the community at the Arsenal Hub, but not so much about their outreach sessions. The club do a huge amount for young people and I'm just glad I have the opportunity to be involved. I loved the thought of taking part in the sessions and didn't have to be persuaded. I enjoy playing football and see it as a career pathway, whether that's playing or in and around the sporting sector. At my first session, I felt welcomed by all the coaches and I already knew some of the people around me, so it didn't take that long to adjust to the environment. Now I really look forward to the weekly sessions. I've had several interesting volunteering opportunities which I didn't hesitate to take part in. For example, the Intergen Festival, an intergeneration community gardening event. And fortunately, I've been invited to attend some Arsenal matches at the Emirates. The Arsenal coaches are very helpful, polite and supportive and overall make the sessions very enjoyable. Being part of the project has helped me socially and has definitely improved my self-confidence. The coaches have given me opportunities to support others within our group and members of the local community. I've become better technically at football, especially after playing with some of the older players within our group. I have been surprised by the number of new people I've met on the sessions and how I've developed my skills both on and off the pitch. Being part of Arsenal makes me feel a more responsible person. I have a purpose being part of the sessions, not just playing football, and can be a role model to younger players and hopefully give advice where needed. Ashley King, Social Inclusion Coordinator, says, Erin has been a regular attendee at our Woodbury Down Kick sessions since he was 11 years old. He's very well respected by both his peers and coaches at our Kick sessions. As well as being a committed participant, he has shown a passion in helping his community by volunteering on community events and supporting our younger participants at sessions. Erin is a great role model to our young participants and always helpful and respectful towards his staff. Academy Young Gun Noah Cooper the Basics. Born Farnborough, 23rd of the 2nd, 06. Joined Arsenal, 19th of the 10th, 2021. Position goalkeeper. Height and weight, 6 foot 2 inches, 73 kilograms. School, the Ravensbourne School, Bromley. Squad number, 100. 
Rate yourself out of 100 goalkeepers. Handling 94, positioning 90, reflexes 93, distribution 95, strength 85. I come from a family with a very rich history in sports. Both my parents used to run 100-metre hurdles at international level, so it was inevitable that I would play some type of sport. I started playing football at a very young age, and I looked up to guys like Neymar because he could do magical things with the football, and he expresses himself through his skills. Goalkeeping-wise, I liked Iker Casillas and Tim Howard. I grew up around the South London area, so the first team I played for was Bromley FC, back when they were a Sunday league side. My first taste of academy football came when I was invited to train with the Crystal Palace Pre-Academy. Funnily enough, while on trial, my current Arsenal teammate Osman Kamara was there too. The interesting thing about this was that I was actually a midfielder at the time. The route into goalkeeping was on the off chance during a tournament with Palace. We needed a keeper and I asked if I could play there because I liked the idea of it. I played very well, and as the famous saying goes, the rest is history. Even though I moved to playing goal, there are technical elements of the game that you need to possess if you want to thrive in the modern game. Being a midfielder previously has helped me with that element of goalkeeping because I've always loved having the ball at my feet. It allows me to express myself on the pitch, and I enjoy it more. After passing my trial with Palace, I stayed there for around seven years until I was 14. A big factor in why I left the club was that I wasn't getting much game time and it was disheartening. Training hard every week to not play on weekends was not a nice feeling at all. At that point in my life, football wasn't fun, especially being a keeper when you know only one person can play in your position. The season after I left, I was out of academy football for around a year but I continued training hard to get myself in the best possible shape if a potential trial arose. The year out was a turning point in my career because it allowed me to rebuild my confidence and improve my ability as a keeper. I have to say thanks to a man called Jerome John who took time out of his day to train me every week. He was an important factor in getting me to Arsenal. He invited Terry Mason, goalkeeping coach at Arsenal, to watch me train and then I was invited for a trial. When I arrived at Hale End, I was shocked at how good the facilities are. It was surreal. At Palace, we would train at multiple different venues, but Arsenal was different. It was such a professional environment, and everything was in place for a child to succeed here. I knew from that moment that this was the right place for me. The trial lasted around eight weeks, and when I found out they wanted to sign me, I was very proud, but also relieved because just a year earlier I had no club and wasn't sure where my career was heading. Then here I was signing for Arsenal, one of the biggest clubs in the world. It shows that if you keep working hard, an opportunity will find its way to you. Since receiving my scholarship, I've had several opportunities to train with the first team, which has been a real eye-opener. You instantly realise why they are at that level. The basics are perfect and they demand so much from one another. On a day-to-day -day basis, they are very friendly with us around London Colney. They always greet us, and they encourage us a lot too. During my time at London Colney, I'd say I've built a strong relationship with under-21's goalkeeper, Hubert Grazczyk. He has great attention to detail, and is an extremely talented player who I rate highly. 
there are little pointers that he gives me which have helped me develop my game. The biggest highlight of my career so far is playing in the FA Youth Cup this season. The game against Millwall in the third round was a special one for me because it was my debut for the under-18s. I was nervous going into the game, but the coaches and players encouraged me massively. We're a really tight-knit group. We're like a family. It was a perfect day all around as we scored six goals and I kept a clean sheet. It's been a long time coming because I fractured my collarbone playing for the under-17s, which kept me out for three months prior to that. Being injured was difficult because you're training on your own a lot of the time, but stepping out on the field against Millwall in such a prestigious competition was a great feeling. On top of that, playing at St James's Park in the next round was a fantastic experience for us. Having the opportunity to play at iconic stadiums is great for our development and we relish the opportunity of what life will be like in the first team. It's something for us to aspire to and drives us going forward. Being coached by Jack Wilshire has been very enjoyable. He trusts me to play in the FA Youth Cup, which has boosted my confidence massively. He has also got such a unique experience because he has won trophies, competed at World Cups and played with world-class players. I learn so much from him all the time. By the end of this season, I want to keep my performance levels high enough so Jack continues to trust me in goal. As a team, we all want to win the FA Youth Cup. It's such a big competition and we're all gunning for that. But I also have the desire to keep on learning as much as I can, whether that's through speaking to certain players or having one-to-ones with coaches. Finally, I've recently made my debut for the under-21s, so I'd like to become more integrated with the squad going into next season. Around the academy, what a comeback. Jack Wilshere lauded his side's character after they overturned a two-goal half-time deficit to win 4-2 against Watford at Vicarage Road on Monday, February 6th, to reach the FA Youth Cup quarter-final. A second-half penalty brace from Amario Cozier-Jubery sandwiched goals from Osman Kamara and Mikhail Rosiak to complete a remarkable second-half turnaround for our under-18s. On the comeback, Wilshere said, I give full credit to the boys because I can give them instructions but it's for them to put them into action. To come back in the second half and score four goals shows real character and desire. When you're two goals down, you need to play with a fire in you and have the desire to win. The boys have this never-say-die attitude and coupled with the quality they have, it's hard for teams to play against us, Wilshire added. We've been rewarded with a home tie in the next round against Cambridge United, which will take place at Emirates Stadium. On the opportunity of coaching at Emirates, a place very close to Wilshere's heart, he said, I can't wait to be honest. It sounds mad that I'll be on that touchline. But most importantly, I'm so excited for the boys because they deserve this chance and we're all looking forward to it. On Friday, February 3rd, the Arsenal under-21s produced a 2-1 extra-time win over Reading at Meadow Park to progress to the quarter-finals of the Premier League Cup. Catalin Kirjan opened the scoring but a goal against the run of play from the visitors forced us into an additional 30 minutes. However, Mauro Bandera stepped up in extra time to clinch an important win on home turf. The boys have shown they're very resilient, and we had some players from younger age groups play their part and support the team, which is great for their development, said coach Mehmet Ali. 
We showed a competitive spirit, played some really good football and got our reward in the end. Given that several players from the under-21s went out on loan in the January transfer window, Ali mentioned that it presents an opportunity for the younger players to showcase their abilities. This is what academy football is all about. It's about individual development and the players that have gone on loan deserve it due to their performances at this level, he said. The players who come in to replace them will need to embrace the opportunity given to them and that's what they did tonight. The night after the under-18's stunning Youth Cup success, the under-21s endured a night they would rather forget against PSV Eindhoven in the Premier League International Cup. The 7-2 defeat featured goals from Joel Idaho and Matt Smith for the Gunners, but the defeat at Meadow Park sees us exit the competition at the group stage. It was a difficult night. We never got close to them and we were very passive, said Ali. When you play like that against a good, well-structured PSV side, you are always going to struggle. Despite the individual errors, I was happy with the response to bring it back to 3-2 at half-time after going three down early. We started the second half well, and with a bit more composure, we could have brought it back level, but PSV were clinical. However, the coach does also believe that defeats like this can be a learning opportunity for the players. You're going to have highs and lows in football. We all need to pick ourselves up from this defeat and go again. Cambridge next. Emirates Stadium will host Cambridge United in the last eight of the FA Youth Cup, following their 2-1 win over Sheffield Wednesday last week. The League One side's under-18s have had a fantastic run in the competition under manager Jimmy Unwin. In fact, this is the first time the club have ever reached the quarter-finals of the competition. The young U's had already beaten Stevenage 4-2 at home, Portsmouth 5-4 away and Colchester 6-0 away before an eye-catching 1-0 win over Chelsea. With Cambridge's senior side never having played at Emirates Stadium, we're expecting a significant amount of fans to travel to North London and cheer on their team. And plenty supporting Jack Wilshere's Gunners, of course. The match will be played at Emirates Stadium on Wednesday, February 22nd, kick-off 7pm. The full draw for the quarter-finals is Preston North End versus Southampton, Manchester City versus Oxford United or Leeds United, Ipswich Town versus West Ham United. Arsenal versus Cambridge United. Both the semi-final and the final of the Youth Cup are now played on a one-match basis. Loan Roundup. We've had regular updates of achievements from our loanees over the course of the season on these pages, but with the January transfer window now firmly shut, we thought it would be helpful to outline all 28 of our current loanees and loans that have taken place this season and come to an end. The full list is as follows. On loan for the rest of the season. 1. Tyrese John Jules, forward, Ipswich Town, League 1, full season loan. 2. Nikolai Moller, forward, FC Den Bosch, Dutch second division, full season loan. 3. Alex Kirk, defender, Air United, Scottish Championship, full season loan. 4. Mika Beereth, forward, RKC Woolwich, Dutch First Division, full season loan. 5. Austin Trusty, defender, Birmingham City, Championship, full season loan. 6. Marcelo Flores, forward, Real Oviedo, Spanish Second Division, full season loan. 7. Ryan Alabiosu, defender, Kilmarnock Scottish Premiership, full season loan. 
8. Nuno Tavares, defender, Marseille, League 1, full season loan. 9. Mazida Gongbo, defender, Crawley Town, League 2, full season loan. 10. Flo Balogun, forward, Stad Rems, League 1, full season loan. 11. Charlie Patino, midfield, Blackpool, Championship, full season loan. 12. Alex Runnison, goalkeeper, Alanaspor, Turkish First Division, full season loan. 13. Nicolas Pepe, forward, Nice, League One, full season loan. 14. Ainsley Maitland Niles, midfielder, Southampton Premiership, full season loan. 15. Tim Akinola, midfield, Chesterfield National League, full season loan. 16. Miguel Aziz, midfielder, Wigan Athletic, Championship, January 2023 until the end of the season. 17. Brooke Norton Cuffey, defender, Coventry City, Championship, January until the end of the season. 18. Arthur Oconquo, goalkeeper, Sturm Graz, Austrian First Division, January until the end of the season. 19. Ovia Jahiri, goalkeeper, SJK Sinajoki, Finnish First Division, January until the end of the season. 20. Tom Smith, goalkeeper, Colchester United, League 2, January until the end of the season. 21. Marquinhos, forward, Norwich City, Championship, January until the end of the season. 22. Omar Rekic, defender, Wigan Athletic, Championship, January until the end of the season. 23. Nathan Butler Oyadeji, forward, Accrington Stanley, League 1, January until the end of the season. 24. Taylor Ferran, defender, Hartlepool United, League 2, January until the end of the season. 25. Albert Sambi Lokonga, midfield, Crystal Palace Premiership, January until the end of the season. 26. Kido Taylor Hart, forward, Derby County, League 1, January until the end of the season. 27. Billy Vigor, midfield, Derby County, League 1. January until the end of the season. 28. Cedric Soares, defender, Fulham Premiership, January until the end of the season. Loans who have returned this season. 1. Harry Clark, defender, Stoke City Championship, loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 2. Miguel Aziz, midfield, UDI Beta, Spanish Second Division, loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 3. Arthur Oconquo, goalkeeper. Crew Alexandra, League 2. Loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 4. Ovi goalkeeper. Chelmsford City, National League South. Loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 5. Brooke Norton Cuffey, defender. Rotherham United, Championship. Loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 6. Tom Smith, goalkeeper. Bromley, National League. Loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 7. Omar Rekic, defender. Sparta Rotterdam, Dutch First Division. Loan from July 2022 to January 2023. 8. 
Salah Edin Ulad Mahand. Midfield, Hull City, Championship, loan from July 2022 to January 2023. Arsenal women. Arsenal reach the final. The Gunners will face Chelsea in this season's Continental League Cup final after edging Manchester City 1-0 in a tense semi-final on Wednesday, February 8th. Substitute Stina Blackstenius scored the crucial goal three minutes into extra time after the Gunners had enjoyed the better chances across 90 minutes, particularly during an increasingly dominant second-half display. Head coach Jonas Eideval sprang something of a surprise by setting his team up in a 3-5-2 formation, the first time he has opted for three at the back during his time at Arsenal, with Leah Williamson and Raphael Souza either side of Lot Vuben Moy. There were starts for three of our January signings, with Sabrina D'Angelo in goal and both Victoria Pelova and Catherine Kull in advanced midfield positions. Laura Weinreuther and Katie McCabe operated as wing-backs either side of Kim Little and Frieda Manham, while Caitlin Ford led the line up front. The hosts made a positive start and might have taken the lead in the opening minutes when a sensational pass from Kuhl released Weinreuther, but Sandy McIver was quick off her line in the city goal and was able to divert the Austrian right-back shot behind for a corner. Soon after, Manham won the ball back on the right and whipped in a dangerous cross into the area, but our forward line arrived just too late to add the finishing touch. The visitors hit back after that and enjoyed some good spells of possession, but they too struggled to apply the finishing touch, with D'Angelo equal to anything that Man City were able to hit on target, and it was Arsenal who again had a great chance to go ahead near the end of the first half, when Ford just failed to get on the end of Little's drilled cross. The Gunners began to take control after the interval, largely restricting City to long-range strikes while carving out a succession of clear-cut chances. Lina Hurtig hit the bar moments after her introduction from the bench, and Blackstenius looked certain to score when McIver fumbled a save in the six-yard box, but somehow City managed to scramble the ball away. Finally, Hurtig glanced ahead wide from close range, but thankfully Arsenal weren't made to pay for the missed chances. In fact, it took just three minutes of extra time to finally break the deadlock. Manham regained possession on the left and fed Hurtig, whose cutback fanned Black Stenius on hand to finish past McIver. And as much as the holders pushed for an equaliser, Eideval's team stood strong to see out the match. Arsenal will now face Chelsea in the final, after last season's runners-up beat West Ham United 7-0 in the other semi-final. The match will take place at Selhurst Park on Sunday, March 5th, with ticket information available online as we get it. We hope to see you there as we bid to win the trophy for a record-extending sixth time, to go with a record 10 victories in this competition's forerunner, the Premier League Cup. But for the first time since we beat Manchester City 1-0 in the 2018 final. Raphael goal not enough against City. Raphael scored in the second half, but it was not enough to earn a share of the spoils away to Manchester City in the Women's Super League at the weekend. Goals for the visitors early and late in the first half. 
from Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly, respectively, gave City a 2-0 advantage, and Jonas Eideval's side could not get back on terms after the break, falling to just our second league defeat of the season. Stina Blackstenius hid the post as we fought for a way back into the game, before defender Raphael did claw us back into it with a header from Freedom Annam's free kick. After beating City in the Conti Cup just three days earlier, hopes were high of a double in this early Saturday kickoff. But we suffered a setback when Hemp netted after just four minutes, converting at the far post from a low cross. Two minutes before the interval, Lot Vubenmoy was dispossessed by Khadija Shaw, who squared for Kelly to tuck in. Brazilian Rafael headed our goal on the hour mark, but the defeat leaves us in fourth place, just outside the Champions League spots. We are three points behind City, but with a game in hand, and six points behind leaders Chelsea, who have also played one more game than us. It's Bayern next. Arsenal have been drawn to face Bayern Munich in the quarter-finals of the Women's Champions League next month. We will travel to Germany for the first leg on March 21-22, before hosting the return leg at Emirates Stadium the following week. More details will be announced in due course. If Arsenal should reach the semi-finals, we have been drawn to face either PSG or Wolfsburg for a place in the final. Frieda's Prize a big well done to Frieda Manum, who has been voted our Women's Player of the Month for January. Our Norwegian midfielders' displays across the month were hugely impressive. Frieda added two more goals and three assists to her tally, with her display against Aston Villa in the Conti Cup quarter-final particularly outstanding. Frieda snared 48% of the fan vote, with Caitlin Ford and Kim Little next up with 20% and 19% respectively. Fixtures and results. 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL, 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL, 4-0. 19th November, Manchester United, home, WSL, 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 1-1. 3rd December, Everton, home, WSL, 1-0. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon, Home, UCL, nil one. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL, 9-1. 15th January, Chelsea, home, WSL, 1-1. 26th January, Aston Villa, home, CC, 3-0. 29th January, Leeds United, home, FAC, 9-0. 5th February, West Ham United, WSL, nil-nil. 8th February, Manchester City, CC. 11th February, Manchester City, WSL. 26th February, Chelsea, FAWC. 
5th March, Liverpool, home, WSL. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. To be arranged, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. To be arranged, Liverpool, home, WSL. The Visitors, Manchester City, 30 years of the Premier League, games 984, wins 488, losses 283, goals 1,714, goals conceded 1,090, seasons in the Premier League 26, highest position first 6 times, lowest position 18th, 2000 and 2001 and 1995 stroke 96 finished in the top half 18 times most appearances david silver 309 most goals sergio aguero 184 with something of a dark cloud hanging over manchester city following last week's charges made by the premier league over the club's alleged breaches of financial rules between 2009 and 2018, manager Pep Guardiola and his players visit Emirates Stadium for this evening's rearranged top-of-the-table clash, knowing that their minds must be fully focused on the job in hand as they bid to pursue their ambition of becoming champions of England for the third season in a row. City have won the Premier League title six times in the past 11 seasons, and four of the last five, but they have never completed a hat-trick of league triumphs, a feat achieved by only Huddersfield, Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester United twice. The blue half of Manchester would evidently love to add their name to that list. While Arsenal have made Premier League running all season in 2022-23, City have always been a looming threat. With this rearranged meeting, marked down in the diaries of all concerned as potentially decisive. It is the club's first league encounter this season. The return in Manchester is set for another Wednesday night on April 26th. But the sides have already faced off in the FA Cup, City winning that recent fourth-round clash 1-0 at the Etihad Stadium. That was City's fourth home win out of four in 2023 a run started by a 4-0 victory over Chelsea in the FA Cup third round and continued with league wins against Tottenham 4-2 and Wolves 3-0. And they made it 5 at the weekend against Aston Villa 3-1. Their away form, however, has become a source of concern, with defeats in all of the last three. The latest at Spurs on February 5th, 1-0. After reverses against Manchester United 2-1, and in the Carabao Cup quarter-final at Southampton, 2-0. For most Manchester City fans, the Holy Grail is the UEFA Champions League, and Guardiola's men return to that competition next week with a trip to Leipzig in the first leg of the round of 16. It is the tenth successive season in which City have reached the knockout phase 
but they have yet to lift the famous trophy. Maybe this will be their year, but first they have a domestic title to defend. The Boss, Pep Guardiola, Manager, born 18th of January 1971, San Pedro, Spain, previously Barcelona B, 2007-8, Barcelona, 2008-12, Bayern Munich, 2013-16. Mikel Arteta's former boss and mentor is universally revered as one of the game's leading coaches his reputation having risen to a new level with his record-breaking achievements at Manchester City, where he has won nine major trophies, including four Premier League titles. Pep was appointed in 2016 as Manuel Pellegrini's successor, arriving from Bayern Munich, where he won the Bundesliga in each of his three seasons. A Barcelona legend as a player, he soon achieved the same status as a coach, winning 14 trophies including two Champions League crowns, both at the expense of Manchester United in the final, during his four-year sojourn. Number 31. Between the posts. Edison, goalkeeper. Born, Osako, Brazil, 17th of August 1993. Previously, Ribeirão, Rio Ave, Benfica. Bought from Benfica for £35 million in June 2017, Edison has proved to be the perfect fit for City, combining excellent agility with superb footwork and a command of his area that often stretches well beyond it. He made his 200th Premier League appearance in the recent defeat at Old Trafford and has won the title in four of his five seasons. Having usurped Liverpool's Alisson as Brazil's first-choice keeper at the 2021 Copa America, he was back to a non-playing understudy role in the recent World Cup. Number 6. The FA Cup Nemesis. Nathan Ake. Defender. Born. The Hague, Netherlands. 18th of February 1995. Previously, Chelsea, Reading, Lone, Watford, Lone, Bournemouth. Dutchman Nathan joined City in 2020 after three and a half seasons as a Premier League player with Bournemouth, where he had initially arrived on loan from Chelsea. The versatile left-footed defender has largely been a backup during his time in Manchester but has become more frequently involved this term and scored the winner with his weaker right foot in the recent FA Cup win against Arsenal. He started all five matches for the Netherlands in the 2022 World Cup. Number 17. The midfield maestro. Kevin De Bruyne. Midfielder. Born, Drongen, Belgium, 28th of June, 1991. Previously, Genk, Chelsea, Werder Bremen, Lone, Wolfsburg. Signed in 2015, Kevin cost £55 million from Wolfsburg and has more than proved his worth. Once of Chelsea, the clever playmaker is already considered one of English football's finest foreign imports and was voted Premier League Player of the Year for the second time last season. A surprise admission from the starting lineup for the recent defeat at Tottenham, he remains at 31, one of the finest creative talents in the game, despite a disappointing World Cup in Qatar with Belgium. Number 9. The Phenomenon. Erling Haaland, forward. Born, Leeds, 21st of July 2000. Previously, Bryn, Mulder, Salzburg, Borussia Dortmund. 
when City paid the £51.5 million release clause from his Borussia Dortmund contract to bring Erling to Manchester last summer, it was already common knowledge that they had recruited a special talent. But no one could have anticipated his immediate draw-dropping impact. On January 22nd, the giant blonde Norwegian striker reached 25 Premier League goals for the season with his fourth hat-trick. He has also scored five Champions League goals for City to take his all-time tally in the competition to a remarkable 28 in 23 games. Number 16. The Metronome. Rodri. Midfielder. Born. Madrid, Spain. 23rd of June 1996. Previously, Villarreal, Atletico Madrid. Rodri became Manchester City's most expensive signing when he arrived on a five-year contract in 2019 after a single season with hometown club Atletico Madrid, during which he won the UEFA Super Cup on his debut and repeatedly impressed as an all-purpose holding midfielder. He has established himself as the first choice in that position for City, barely missing a Premier League game and chipping in with useful goals, including the opening goal against Villa on Sunday although the 26-year-old was surprisingly deployed as a central defender for Spain at the Qatar World Cup. Number 25. The new recruit, Manuel Akanji, defender. Born, Neftenbach, Switzerland. 19th July 1995. Previously, Winterthur, Basel, Borussia Dortmund. Manuel's transfer from Borussia Dortmund last summer was largely overshadowed by that of Erling Haaland from the same club. But the versatile 27-year-old defender has proved a sound buy, particularly with the injuries to Ruben Diaz, Eimerick Laporte and John Stones. He was the only player in the Switzerland squad other than Granit Xhaka to play every minute in Qatar and became the first Swiss player to score in a World Cup knockout game since 1954 with his consolation goal in the 6-1 defeat by Portugal. Number 26. The Magic Man. Riyad Mahrez, winger. Born. Sarcelle, France, 21st of February 1991. Previously, Quimper, Le Havre, Leicester. A left-footed right winger of sure touch and immense skill, and one of the stars of Leicester's remarkable 2015-16 Premier League title win, Riyad left two years later for Manchester City, where he was a domestic treble winner in his debut season. The Algerian international and 2019 African champion, who turns 32 next week, is a prospective match winner, as he has already demonstrated in 2023, scoring the only goal in last month's victory at Chelsea, a double in the 4-2 home win against Spurs, and the third against Villa on Sunday. Number 19. The world champion, Julian Alvarez, forward. Born, Cordoba, Argentina. 31st of January 2000. Previously, River Plate. One of five players who won the World Cup in Qatar while representing a Premier League club, Julian was a key figure in Argentina's triumph, replacing the original choice as Lionel Messi's strike partner, Lutaro Martinez and scoring four goals, including a semi-final double in the 3-0 win against Croatia. Recruited by City from River Plate in January 2022, he joined six months later 
and has largely played a peripheral role so far this season, though the 23-year-old's potential is clear for all to see. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox, Photography, Getty Images Pep Guardiola is known for springing a surprise in big matches and will surely have something unexpected planned for tonight's crucial fixture. While the sides met last month in the FA Cup, the starting 11s are likely to be significantly different. Often, Guardiola used to play without a conventional striker against strong opposition, although that's less of an option after the arrival of Erling Haaland. The Norwegian has scored an unprecedented rate, and at times sometimes feels unstoppable. Questions have been asked about his link play, however, and in a recent 1-0 defeat at Tottenham, many of his runs in behind weren't found by penetrative balls from midfield. Although taken off as an injury precaution at half-time on Sunday against Villa, it would be a surprise if his name is not on Guardiola's team sheet tonight. That Spurs defeat did feature a surprise Guardiola shape, something like 3-2-3-2 in possession, with Argentine World Cup winner Julian Alvarez up front alongside Haaland and two inverted wingers, Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez, either side of Bernardo Silva just behind. It's unlikely Guardiola will use that system again, although Grealish and Mahrez have been in good form recently and seem the first-choice options out wide instead of Phil Foden. Kevin De Bruyne remains a devastatingly effective passer and has struck up a good relationship with Haaland, often with curled crosses from the inside right position to the far post. Silva remains a clever, elusive playmaker capable of playing deep in midfield as a number 10 or from the right, while Ilke Gundogan offers all-round midfield qualities. Another key feature of Manchester City's play in recent weeks has been the use of Rico Lewis, a youngster from City's academy who appears to have been coached specifically to play the unusual full-back come central midfielder role that Guardiola effectively invented in his time at Bayern Munich with Alexander Zinchenko continuing that role since his move to Arsenal. Lewis has played there effectively from the right, although looked less comfortable when asked to do it from the left at Tottenham. The surprise departure of Chao Cancelo means Lewis might be needed more often on the left, while Carl Walker seems likely to play at right back because of his speed. At times, City's back four effectively turns into a back three with Lewis further up the pitch. Walker, John Stones and Nathan Eke all look comfortable in the wider defensive roles in a back three, while the presence of Aymeric Laporte, Ruben Diaz and Manuel Akanji means Guardiola has plenty of options at the back. Rodri has also been fielded there, although usually plays a holding midfield role. He was excellent in the first half of the season, although in both matches against Tottenham, has been involved in a mix-up when City have been caught in possession on the edge of their own box, leading to a concession. Only goalkeeper Edison has played more Premier League minutes for City this season than Rodri. His booming goal kicks mean City can offer a more direct approach than Guardiola's usual favoured possession play, as a classic Route 1 goal scored by Haaland against Brighton earlier this season demonstrated. Turning the tide after the first 20 Premier League matches between tonight's teams, the record stood at 17 wins for the Gunners, 3 draws and no wins for City. 
However, City are unbeaten in the last 13 contests, winning 11 of them, going back to a 2-1 win for the Gunners at Emirates on December 21, 2015. Theo Walcott and Oliver Giroud were on the score sheet for Arsenal, Yaya Toure getting a late consolation for City. Match action. Arsenal versus Brentford. Arsenal 1, Brentford 1. Arsenal scorers, Trossard, 66th minute. Brentford, Tony, 74th minute. Saturday, February 11th, 2023. Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 25th minute. Tony hits the bar after a good move. 43rd minute. Martinelli volleys over from Xhaka's layoff. 66th minute. Trossard scores at the far post from Saka's cross. 74th minute. Tony heads in from close range despite offside appeals. Mikel Arteta. We feel frustration and disappointment because we wanted the three points. We did the most difficult thing which was going ahead, scoring against a team which was in a super low block and with a lot of players committed in the byline. Facts. Bukayo Saka contributed his eighth Premier League assist this season, his highest tally for a single campaign. Leandro Trossard becomes the 138th player to score for us in the Premier League. This was only our second 3pm kickoff of the season. Teams For Arsenal Manager Mikel Arteta Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emile Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 12. William Saliba. 14. Edian Katia. 15. Jakob Kivia. 16. Rob Holding. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Leandro Trossard. 20. Giorgino. 21. Fabio Vieira. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 27. Marquinhos. 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharker. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. 83. Ethan Nwaneri. For Manchester City. Manager, Pep Guardiola. Shirt, light blue. Shorts, white. Socks, light blue. 2. Kyle Walker. 3. Ruben Dias. 4. Calvin Phillips. 5. John Stones 6. Nathan Ake 8. Ilke Gundigon 9. Erling Haaland 10. Jack Grealish 14. Emmerich Laporte 16. Rodri 17. Kevin De Bruyne 18. Stefan Ortega Moreno, goalkeeper 19. Julian Alvarez 20. Bernardo Silva 21. Sergio Gomez 25. Manuel Akanji, 26. Riyad Mahrez, 31. 
Edison, goalkeeper, 32, Maximo Perenni, 33, Scott Carson, goalkeeper, 47, Phil Foden, 80, Cole Palmer, 82, Rico Lewis, referee, Anthony Taylor, assistant referees, Gary Bezik, Adam Nunn, fourth official, Darren England, VAR official, David Coote, additional VAR official, Mark Perry. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. of stories, 30 years of lungs busting, nets bulging, audacious goals, outrageous flicks, academy breakthroughs, legends returned, 30 years of gasps, groans, chants, full-time cheers, full-time tears, saying we were there. But that's not all, the game is just the start. 30 years of supporting communities, 30 years of investing in the wider game, 30 years of thrilling football. Made possible by 30 years of your support. Premier League. Akagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. Travel with peace of mind. Fly better. No room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination but we can all do more challenge it, report it, change it and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more hashtag no room for racism challenge it, report it, change it Premier League, Arsenal Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 